First things first. We have okay. to address the elephant in the room. Yep. Unfortunately, in our part one of episode eight, we omitted one of the greatest superhero films of all time, Spider-Man 2. I don't know how we omitted it. I don't... I, I, I'm embarrassed of this by this oversight, considering I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. I cannot believe we skipped it. I think what happened is that we kept using it as, like, a reference point. As, like, you know, yeah. this movie was great, and they did this, and, you know, we'll get to that when we cover Spider-Man 2, and so on and so on and so forth. So I think that's why we kind of overstepped it, I guess you could say. Yeah, we just took it for granted, literally. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, the big thing I always get into with Spider-Man 2 is, people say it's better than Spider-Man 1. I like to say, at best, they're equal. I prefer Spider-Man over Spider-Man 2, but I can't deny how great Spider-Man 2 is. Agreed. I mean, well, I'm one of the people that thinks it's better than the second one, just because... Oh, so you think the first one is better than Spider-Man 2, like me? Oh, no, no, no. I think the second one is better than the first one. Oh, okay, cool. All right. Yeah, I'm one of those people that thinks, you know, they stepped up the game, you know, the fight scenes were better, the story was better, everything just really raised the bars. Look, I like it. It's really good, like Spider-Man 1. It's very faithful, it's very well executed, the characters are all strong, but there are moments in that film that I'm like, okay, we're getting a little bogged down here, we need to move on, let's let's get going. The thing with a good Spider-Man story is you have to find the right balance of melodrama, because in the end, Spider-Man really is a soap opera. But if you balance that melodrama well, it goes under the radar and you don't feel like you're watching a soap opera. So. I just felt like there were times where the balance was off and it got a little too melodramatic. Like, case in point, at the end, especially at the end where Mary Jane leaves uh, old boy at the altar and is running through Central Park, I guess, in a wedding dress and runs towards Peter. And I'm like, oh, that, that was a little... That was a little unnecessary, but it's still great. Like, Doc Ock is incredible in it. Another good point is when Harry finally pulls off Spider-Man's mask and it's Peter. It just seemed a little like, uh, okay. Let's, let's get going here and shit like that, but anyway. Hello world, welcome back to the Flores and Friends podcast. I'm still joined by my brother from another mother, Justin Hartwell. Say hey man. Hey guys, how's it going? We are on our odyssey, if if you will, of dissecting and discussing the history of superhero films. Part one, we talked about the early beginnings and as I refer to it as the golden age. And then we moved to the silver age, which really dominated the 90s. And then... We then moved to this new age, which was like the turn of the century around, you know, with Blade, X-Men, Unbreakable, Spider-Man, Blade 2. And then we moved to this middle age where it was kind of a a period of like the 90s age of hits and misses and stuff like that. So we we had some good fun talking about it. We, we, We delved into it. We had some disagreements between what we think are good films. Blade Trinity comes to mind. Oh, and The Punisher. Yep. And we left Sorry, off... Dude, you gotta rewatch it. Yeah, oh god. We left off with my least favorite, probably, superhero film of all time, Spider-Man 3. And 
we're not going to dwell any more time on that because that movie doesn't deserve it. So we're going to move on. Now, this this is where this this age, which I have dubbed the modern age, which goes from 2008 to 2012, it is the age of phase one of Marvel's MCU. It starts with Iron Man and it ends with the Avengers. And you really you realize that not only is Marvel on their shit, but they've literally raised the game to a new level. But there's also a strong entry from DC with The Dark Knight. So it's it's a very interesting period. Let's let's not waste any more time. Let's dive right into it. The first film on the list is Iron Man. How do you feel about Iron Man? You know, it was the first Marvel movie of like this, you know, modern era, the modern age as you have it entitled. Yeah. Where it, it completely revolutionized the way we look at Marvel movies. I mean, you have Robert Downey Jr. who is perfect to play Tony Stark. Yeah. We finally have, you know, the production value to put into, you know, making the good CGI and animation. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's kind of required for these superhero movies. So Iron Man is probably the biggest opener to what we now see as the dominance of uh, comic book and superhero movies. Yeah, you, uh, with Iron Man a couple things you really it really did set the formula for this is how you make a successful superhero film you get a really good cast you get a really good director you get a good writer and you stick to the source material we cannot stress that enough exactly and the other thing that is is significant is well at this point iron man was not a top tier superhero now he's arguably the most popular superhero because marvel in a in their brilliance took a i would say a A minus or B level superhero and turned him into like A plus level superhero. Here's the thing: is Iron Man has you know been one of the forefront characters in the Marvel universe since the beginning yeah. with the Avengers and everything. Yeah. But the thing was, you know, back before this dominance of Marvel movies, when you thought superheroes, you thought Batman, Superman, Spider Man, and Wolverine, and yeah. that's pretty much it. But that's it. Like, that's literally all the heroes that anyone ever really knew about outside of, like, the cartoons or whatever. Now, you know, you have Iron Man t-shirts and hats and cups and all these other things that spawned from how well this movie was. It really is brilliance that, like, Marvel, obviously, like we talked about earlier, sold their primo franchises, Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, X-Men. They, they sold the rights, and they were left with these, like, the island of forgotten toys and stuff like that where they were like these are the movies that these are the characters that no major studio wanted so they were like here's what we're gonna do we're gonna take the ones that nobody wanted and we're gonna make a billion dollars off of them yeah pretty much (laughs) iron man is really good let's move on and this is a biggie this is arguably i still think it's the greatest superhero film of all time matched with civil war but for the longest time it was definitively number one and that is the dark knight True. It's one of those movies where when you first see it, you're blown away. And of course, with Heath Ledger passing, rest in peace, he nailed that role. Yeah, I totally agree. And I feel like, and then you also had Two-Face as well, who who is supremely overlooked because of the performance. Yeah, it's, it's a crime that like, in an age where a lot of superhero films try and fit like two or three villains in a movie... 
it, and it gets crowded and it gets like you lose kind of track of who everybody is and like what is going on right now but i cannot stress enough how flawlessly two-face was brought into this and you think about harvey dent didn't show up in the first one this is the only one he's been in and he's introduced developed and brought down and changed into a villain so seamlessly and it's so overlooked it's so brilliant you forget that he's in there because it's it just it flows so well yeah. now great it's one of those movies like when you watch years later and you're re-watching it there's a bunch of little like quirks and things that don't exactly work as well as you thought they did yeah. previously it, it, it was still such a like an incredible job yeah. by Heath Ledger nailing that role and Christian Bale returning again as Batman who I think does a phenomenal job as Batman yeah he's he's not bad like I said Kevin Conroy is my Batman but I would say Christian Bale is number two when you were talking about things that don't necessarily work anymore the third act where they have like the bomb on the two boats or stuff like that that was kind of I've always I always had a problem with that but film's not perfect very few films are but it's so well done and so excellent that you're like, you overlook it because you're like, it doesn't matter. This is brilliant and we need to just cut it some slack. Yeah, fair. Uh, I, I can go with that. I can yeah. absolutely agree with that. I mean, we could, we could spend all day talking about The Dark Knight. Okay, so next up, oh, next up is one that you'll love, The Incredible Hulk. You know, with Edward Norton and, you know, the abomination and all that stuff. Yep. I mean, you're obviously a huge Hulk fan. Uh, how do you, is that your definitive film version of Hulk or the Avengers or how are we going? Again, I will know because you know, I've gotten into this debate several times over you know, with you, with pretty much anyone who asks me what's your favorite Hulk movie because I'm probably one of the biggest Hulk fans that I know of amongst my friends. And the previous Hulk movie that we talked about in, what was that, 2003, if I remember yes, correctly? 2003 Hulk with uh, Eric Bana, directed by Ang Lee. Yep. So, between the two, they both missed out on a lot, and they both did some things right. Yeah. So, it's very it's very hard to pick, like, a definitive Hulk movie, because we haven't had a Hulk movie on the level of Iron Man and Captain America and so on and so forth. Yeah. So, this movie did a really good job of portraying the, I guess you could say, like, the primal side of Hulk. Yeah. Like, the brutal, more or less, rage monster that everyone assumes is the Hulk. But I didn't like that it was heart rate-based, like adrenaline-based. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's that's kind of true, but not really, because the Hulk is based more off emotional change than heart rate so I mean that's basically saying you know like in the chase scene at the beginning of the or you know towards the beginning of the movie and Bruce Banner's running and he has to stop and take a break before he changes that's a little ridiculous for the Hulk it's not necessarily a physiological reaction it's about him losing control of his his psychological state not his physiological state more more or less exactly and and that that kind of like took me a little bit to grasp and roll with. Yeah. And also, I did not like how they did Abomination. Now, granted, I understand they're trying to make it more realistic and more, you know, if this were to happen in the real world, this is the person he would be. Because for anyone who's listening, 
if you look up Abomination Hulk on Google Images, you're going to see a polar opposite character of what was put on the screen. Yeah. Because this character, the Abomination in the movie, more, more closely resembled Doomsday from the DC comics. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. And so when I saw that, that that's literally all I kept thinking is this is basically a Doomsday ripoff. Yeah, I mean, but then again, if you think about it, Doomsday, I mean, we're really getting into comics here, not the movies, but in the original comics, Death and Return of Superman, Doomsday's kind of a Hulk ripoff, if you think about it. Kind of, because Doomsday was genetically engineered yeah. and brainwashed into destroying, you know, yeah, into yeah. hating Superman and so on and so forth. But that's the thing, he didn't really have like a, you know, angrier he gets, yeah. stronger he gets. Yeah, but what I'm, what I'm saying is the fact is, like, they basically stole all of Hulk's powers and, like, abilities and made a villain that could fuck with Superman. So it's just like, Doomsday was a ripoff of Hulk. Like, they were like, we need a character that can kill Superman. I got it, let's make a Hulk. Oh wait, we can't steal, we can't overtly steal from Marvel. So they were like, let's put him, make him gray and make him very spiky. Boom, there you go. <laughs> Gray and very spiky. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I liked The Incredible Hulk. Edward Norton was really good as Banner. It had some good things going for it, but it was largely, largely, uh, I was largely indifferent to it because I was like, this isn't bad. It's not particularly fantastic, but you know, it's not the worst. No, it's definitely not the worst. It just, it's add another one to the list of it could have been better. Yeah, I do like it over the 2003 Hulk. Uh, but that's just my, that's just me. I, I, I felt like the 2003 Hulk, like we talked about, had a bad villain and it kind of, and it dragged for me, but this one, this one was all right. I mean, it's whatever. Hey, again, I just hope that they can finally make a good turnaround and give Hulk the kind of movie he deserves because yeah. one day, one day, man, one day, one day uh, moving on. We're, we got a few small entries working our way through this. Okay. So jumper, did you ever see jumper with Hayden Christensen? Oh, I love Jumper. Yeah, it was really neat. I mean, I don't think... I think it was an original character. Like, I don't think it was based off anything. But it was really good. Like, I was like, this isn't bad. I mean, it's got Hayden Christensen in it. But it's not bad. <laughs> no, I mean, it was a neat concept. Yeah. The way they portrayed it was really badass. Yeah. It was really was cool. A- I'll say it was a very cool film. Exactly. It's it's not one of those like you know right right on the bomb about kind of movies, yeah. but it was it's an it's a really entertaining watch. Yeah, we never got a sequel. No, that would have been dope though. Yeah, I know. It's like they should have given it a sequel because that could have they could have done more with the character. I was like, man, that would have been really cool. But oh well. Moving on, Punisher Warzone. Did you ever see Punisher Warzone? Yeah. I did. I didn't bother. <laughs> yeah, more or less, it's just Punisher, super violent, and that's pretty much it. There's no real good story. Like the cast is okay. It's not 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 one of the better films. We'll leave it at that. That movie doesn't really deserve uh, any um, further discussion. Oh, here's another original character, which. From the trailers looked really cool, but the movie was really not good. Uh, Hancock. Hancock was different. It had me until, spoiler alert, the ending where Charlize Theron and him are 
are, are angels? And I was just like, what? What the fuck is going on here? I was like, it was so good up until they, like, started explaining shit. And I'm like, this doesn't make any goddamn sense. Yeah, it's like they're not angels, but they're, like, some kind of, like, precursor species that's been overlooking humanity or whatever, whatever. I can't remember. And then, and then when they're around each other, they're depowered but when they're away from each other they're full strength it's like and it also the film also didn't have a conventional bad guy like a villain for him to fight so it was really it's just not yeah it had another one on the list so much potential and it turned out to be terrible it was a very odd concept is the best way i can describe it. well i like the idea of like a superhero or a, a superpowered being that has like alcohol issues and is in like self-destructive like i really found the the idea fascinating but they kind of just ran it to the ground i'm like uh yeah it would have been a really cool way to like you know dive more into that if you know yeah. a um, superhero who could literally give two shits less yeah who's who doesn't give a fuck about anything it's uh, you know it would have been nice to get a sequel or you know just i don't know if they could remake it and like not have it suck that would be good i mean everything was good until the end and then it just kind of lost it. yeah okay uh next up uh, is a sequel that we both like hellboy 2 oh hellboy 2 was dope hellboy 2 was really good like i i'm still wait we're still waiting on hellboy 3 uh, but i'm like can we please have hellboy 3 because hellboy 1 was good hellboy 2 was really good and we're just waiting <laughs> it, i mean that's a, that's one of those series that kind of slides by, yeah. kind of under the radar. Yeah. That the first movie was good. Yep. The second one improved. Now it wasn't you know a Spider-Man Spider-Man two. Yeah. But it was still it it took the same formula that it was working with on the first one. Yep. Made slight improvements to where they should, doubled back on where they shouldn't, and they and they kept it alive. I totally agree, and it was. And you got to give this to Guillermo del Toro. Like, for instance, when the gang goes to, what is it, the Monster Alley or Monster Marketplace or something like that, like, you've never seen anything like that before. That's literally visuals that you had never seen up until this point. It was so... He's got such a wonderful imagination when it comes to, like, imagining creature design and... Oh, he's so... Guillermo del Toro is such a great director, man. Oh, and, and I like the whole extra like sanity that they threw into there yeah definitely definitely okay moving on here's a biggie that both you and i really like some people don't it's kind of a tricky one uh watchmen oh watchmen was phenomenal we both really liked it because we've both read the graphic novel but to like someone who's just like not a fan or a comic book fan i can understand why that movie would be very hard to get into you know what i'm saying i don't know because uh, did Watchmen come out before or after Iron Man? I thought it came out before. It came out after. It was uh, Iron Man came out in 2008, and Watchmen came out in 2009. Oh, wow. What's that big of a difference? Yeah, it's a whole year. Iron Man and Watchmen were the first two, you know, midnight uh, showings I ever went to. Oh, yeah, nice. You know, it's Watchmen is very much like Viva Vendetta. Yeah. It's one of the comic books that... If you're not into comics or have any idea about comics, you've never heard of it before. And then when it got thrown onto screen, it had such a great following. And 
it's a shame because it's also because Watchmen is also a super thick graphic novel, so they couldn't really incorporate everything that they wanted to. But with but you know they with did, the limited, they did the best uh, they could. They did the best they could. Exactly. They they took what they had, condensed it down to whatever movie regulation time is. Yeah, it's about three hours long. <laughs> and they nailed it. They absolutely nailed it. And the casting they got for it was really, really good. Oh, I yeah. mean, and these are all and these are all actors and actresses that is for, you know, lack of a better word, no one's really heard of or yeah. recognized. Yeah, yeah. So that was awesome that they brought these, you know, I guess I don't want to say subpar actors because their acting was great in the movie. Yeah, they were they were just not A list stars. They were just they were just everyday actors and stuff like well, not everyday actors, but like not your Hollywood elite, not your like they weren't stars. The movie didn't have any stars in it. It had actors in it. There you go. That makes that's the best way of putting it. Yeah, Jackie yeah. Jackie Earl Haley as Rorschach or Walter Kovacs. I mean, why did he not get nominated for any major awards? He was fucking brilliant as Rorschach. Oh, he 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 nailed that role. Anyways, it's completely mm-hmm. underrated for those who don't like comics, but for anyone who does and has seen the movie, it is easily one of the best comic book movies we've had. Yeah, it's. I know we got to move on, but like, it, the problem with the film and the problem with the comic is that it's not your conventional superhero tale where it's like superhero, you know, saves day, fights the bad guy, saves the day. You know, it's 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 literally like, hey. This is how much it would suck to be a superhero and stuff like that. It's like it's not about good versus evil. It's about man, life can get really shitty even if you have superpowers. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, not a happy tale. <laughs> no, it's it's very it's a nice heavy dose of reality for yeah. you know the superhero world. And you know this was Zack Snyder's first entry into the superhero genre, and I I. I loved what he did with it. I mean, he did literally the best he could, but little did we know, ah, little did we know what was coming up upon us very shortly. Oh, wait, hold on. I think you might have missed something. What's that? Oh, man, you you missed out on 300. Oh, I didn't put, well, okay, that's a comic book. I I didn't know if it was superhero, but we can talk about 300 if you want. I mean, I I I would just like to, Make a quick touch on it because it is based off of a graphic novel. Yeah, uh, yeah, we can do it. Say what you want to say about it. Three hundred was amazing. Okay. That was was that Zack Snyder? Yeah, he directed. That was his first. He did his first major film was the Dawn of the Dead remake, and then he made Three Hundred. Yep. And then he made Watchmen, and then he made Sucker Punch. I like Sucker Punch, but well, ooh, is uh, that do you have that on the list or no? No, I didn't think. Was that based off of source material? I don't know. We'll have to double check that. But yeah, so 300 was really good. I just didn't put it on the list because I was thinking of your conventional, traditional superheroes. Like, it's more of a historical, loosely historically based graphic <laughs> novel. So I didn't, I didn't know if it if it counted on the list though. Uh, okay, okay, that's fair. I I just wanted to you know point out one thing about that, and then we can move on. What's that? It just cracked me up that when 300 first came out, yeah, you know, you had critics and people doing reviews saying this is historically inaccurate. You know, there was there weren't monsters, and elephants, and all this other stuff fighting at the Battle of Thermopylae and so on. So I was like, yeah, because it's not based on the Spartans specifically. It's based off of a graphic novel yeah and and that that just 
drove me up the walls in that time frame of, you know, when that came out and people bashing it because it wasn't historically accurate. Yeah, it's not a documentary. It's a fucking graphic novel. Calm your tits, people. And I, and I also liked how they, the cinematography they did for that movie was oh, so yeah. long. Yeah, absolutely. Because it took scene from the graphic novel and literally directed it onto the screen to where you have a side-by-side comparison yeah. and it's to a T. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we can, we can go on. I just, yeah. I, did, I realized I wasn't there and wanted to touch on it. Yeah, it's fine, it's fine. Okay, uh, next is, uh, ooh, this is, well, next is, unfortunately, another bad one in my opinion, Wolverine Origins. Yeah. It's got some good I mean, stuff in it. I mean, Hugh Jackman is always good. Leif Schreiber as Sabretooth was really good. But other than that, I mean, we're not even going to talk about Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool because that was... Now that the new Deadpool's come out, we just pretend that one didn't happen. I was about to say, we, we, we don't even acknowledge that that was actually Deadpool. We're just going to walk around it. Okay. All right, uh, Kick-Ass. How did you feel about Kick-Ass? I actually thoroughly enjoyed Kick-Ass. Yeah, it was really good. Although, you know, it's it's... It's, it was a lot of fun. I'll say that. It was a lot of fun, but at the same time, it was kind of... Uh, it, it could... Uh, I don't know. It left me wanting... It, lo- it left a lot to be desired is what I'm getting at. I thought it did really well because this is one of those like super realistic movies of, yeah. hey, if someone wanted to be a superhero, this is kind of the way they would do it if, you know, if it was available to them. Yeah, it was really good, but... I don't know. It... Uh, it just, it was, it, uh, it, I don't know. I, I don't have the words for it. It's, I, I would recommend it, but it's not, I don't consider it great. You know what I'm saying? Sure. It, 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 like you were saying, it's a very entertaining watch. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give it that. Okay, moving on to the next uh, Iron Man 2. I did not like this film. It was serviceable, but it ultimately, I was like, oh, well, you just needed a film to move on closer to the Avengers. This doesn't really add anything. It's kind of dumb. I don't really I don't really care about this. It was alright I guess, but I was I was, I didn't like the disappointing lack of Iron Man in this film like he's, I feel like Tony Stark is barely Iron Man in it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I kind of like that because it, it's portraying Tony Stark. Yeah. Yeah, Iron Man, yeah. which is one thing that we agreed on that was really good about Civil War, which we're getting to later, yeah. is that they had that personal dynamic outside of the suit. He definitely, if you're going to have an alter ego take up most of the screen time, and Robbie Downey Jr. as Tony Stark is a great uh, selection. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I felt like it was good. The villain was pretty good. They took an old, old school Iron Man villain, redubbed him, and I, I think it went well. I mean, it wasn't great but it was still it was a it was a solid movie and it furthered the plot okay what we could discuss about it is how did you feel about roadie being replaced did it bother you did you care um i don't know i'm still trying to figure that out because i liked terrence howard yeah i liked him as roadie in the first one yeah but then seeing um don Cheadle. seeing him as roadie now you know couple movies in yeah I'm kind of getting sold on it. So it, it was one of those like mid-series kind of like switches Yeah. that I wasn't sure how I felt, but the more the new guys stuck around, the more I was okay and like accepted it. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I think Don Cheadle is way better than Terrence Howard ever could have been. I mean, he was he was aight in the first one, but like 
I was like, I don't know, Terrence Howard is kind of a weird a weird guy, so yeah. Okay, next is the Green Hornet. Did you see the Green Hornet? I did see the Green Hornet. I, I saw it with a friend, my friend Ben, and it wasn't terrible, but it was just like, it was an action comedy, and they should have focused more on the action and not so much on the comedy. Yeah, I mean, I mean it, it was, was it Seth Rogen? Yeah, I'll Seth Rogen, uh, Christoph Waltz was the bad guy. You had Cameron Diaz as they're like, his like, kind of like his sidekick and it was it, it was alright I guess uh, it just it, it just it, he was not convincing as a good Green Hornet and uh, I don't know it just it was too silly for me it's Seth Rogen so you can yeah. only do so much yeah moving on okay oh lord we got one coming up that I'm like let me see where we're at right now oh okay I see where we're at now you see where we're headed though yes okay. I do <laughs> okay, so ne- next up is Thor. I love Thor a lot. I love Chris Hemsworth as Thor. I love Tom Hiddleston as Loki. I love Anthony Hopkins as Odin. Odin. I love Idris Elba as Heimdall. I love, 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 love that film so much. It was really good. I mean, again, this is where Marvel is in stride with yeah, characters. They're, they're starting their gallop towards domination here. They're, they're in full stride of, okay, we have a formula. Yeah. And it's working. Yeah. And when, as long as we stick to this, we will be good and we'll be covered. So it's kind of like they're they're finally setting our pieces of we yeah. have this and we're good. We have this and that is stable. And and it's all building up to the next tier. They're constantly just raising that bar with each movie. My only problem with Thor is basically the plot takes place over the span of about three days and he meets jane foster they kind of have an attraction and then like two days later they fall in love with each other i was just like it just it just felt kind of rushed true but i mean let, let's be honest it's natalie portman who's yeah. who's gorgeous and then it's chris Hemsworth, who if it's not chris evans it's chris Hemsworth. dude uh, i'm not gonna lie i mean you know i'm a straight man but damn chris Hemsworth. Like, I can understand why women lose their shit over him. I can almost guarantee, you know, it's that scene in the movie of Thor when he's shirtless, like, changing and everything, where there, there was a slight gasp from all of the women in, this, the, in the theater. Like, oh, damn. Hey, what's up, Thor? You can be my god. What's happening? <laughs> okay. Yeah, so next up is the reboot to the X-Men franchise, X-Men First Class. I like that. I love it. It's so good. It, 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 I liked it because it's, it kind of like started fresh. Yeah. Because we haven't seen anything X-Men related, like the X-Men since X3, which was awful. Yeah, we already, yeah. <laughs> so this was a, it was reinvigorating. Yes. Oh, that's a great word for it. Just having James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender, they're, they're so talented and they're so good as Professor X and Magneto, respectively. Like, I don't even care about the rest. Well, Jennifer Lawrence is pretty good in it, too. But it's just those two. Like, they're the best parts of this newest trilogy. It's the fact that they, like Sir Patrick and like Sir Ian McKellen, they play off each other so well. It's like they have such a great chemistry together. I mean, they're partners. Like, yeah. And, you know, and a lot of people don't realize that Xavier and Eric, how close they were. Yeah. And that's why they hardly ever fight them like each other because they have this 
understanding and respect for one another. Yeah, absolutely. Granted, yeah. They, yeah. granted they have their differences, and that's why they are quote-unquote enemies. Yeah. But they still have this astounding respect for one another. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. they actually kind of touched on that at X3 when they first went to go grab Gene. Yeah. Is that they both showed up and said, hey, we're going to be civil because this is a huge deal and a huge matter. We need to, we need to handle this together. Despite the fact that they are on opposite ends of the uh, the battle lines here. There is still a lot of affection between the two. They really do care about each other. It's just the fact that they radically disagree with each other. So it's such a great it's such a great characterization and such a great uh, I love it so much. Again, very reinvigorating to the series and just launched a pretty solid trilogy. Yeah. If I'm being honest. All right, let's move on to Okay, we got to talk about this. Even though I don't think this is arguably the worst superhero film of all time for me, Green Lantern. Uh, okay, this is probably one of the biggest. It could have been better movies. Yeah, it's a huge, huge disappointment. Huge disappointment. Because Ryan Reynolds as Hal Jordan, bit of a stretch. I like Ryan Reynolds as an actor. He does very well with the type of movies that he's fitted for. Yeah, exactly. AKA Deadpool. Yeah. As how Jordan, I feel like that was a little too much. But if you look, but if you look around the outside, the the animation is gorgeous. I don't know. I didn't. I really dislike the CGI costume and mask. I thought it looked terrible. See, the costume and mask, yeah, was a little much. But the thing I liked about it, the, the character designs outside of the animated suit were pretty spot on. The voicing for the characters are really well done. Yeah. Um, the CGI for the ring materializing all the weaponry and the effects and all were killer. Yeah. I think they they had the right... They were on the right path. Yeah, oh yeah, they had the right intent, but I don't know, it just got m- messed up along the way. I don't know what the fuck happened. They had such a great role going and then just tossed it. Well, the main thing is I think they... It was a very, very generic plot. They should have got... Someone who isn't like Hal Jordan is a is a likable character, but he's not he's not that Ryan Reynolds type. Deadpool is the Ryan Ryan Reynolds type. Hal Jordan is more of a like a charismatic, but for the most part, straight laced kind of guy. Yeah, I mean, he has his moments for sure, but he's not Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I really think that it just. I don't know. It was a very safe movie. Like, if you think about it, it didn't really do anything new. It just kind of was like, here's generic first uh, movie of a character. Let's move on. Okay, so on the flip side here, we're going to talk about Captain America First Avenger. A lot of people weren't that high on this film, but I love this film. Oh, I thought it was... It was very well done. It was ve- the execution was really well. It was very authentic. I felt like I was watching a Captain America movie. What I like to remind people, especially coming off a of Green Lantern, who is a a more modern character, and if you look at Captain America, you realize how easily, how easily that film could have gone south. Like, like Captain America, he's a character from a bygone era. But what they did was. They realized, like, they took us back, a modern audience, back into an, another time where this character fits. And then, obviously, with Avengers and Winter Soldier, they took this character out of the past 
into modern setting and actually made him fit very well. But Captain America First Avenger, it also felt very authentic. It, it just feels he's not cheesy. He's not campy. He's actually like, okay, I believe this character. I believe in this character. And he's surrounded by a cast and setting that's, that just fits. No, I, I totally agree. Because the, the thing was that, you know, it's against Nazis and, you know, we're past the Nazi era. That's yeah. when Captain America first came out. And the fact that they brought it back. And the thing I like about the Marvel Studio movies is they're keeping all these things in mind. Mm-hmm. Like... Like, the one thing we didn't address with the Iron Man movie was Iron Man was kidnapped by, what, what was it, Russians? In the original comic, I, I think it was. I think it was the Russians. I think it was Russian, the communist red threat or whatever. Yeah. And he escaped from them, but they switched it to, like, a modern-day, you know, Middle East. Yeah. Carousel. Yeah. And that's what I, that's what I appreciate about Marvel, is that they're taking... The old build-ups, yes. and they're laying it out in modern-day times, but with Captain America, they kept it true, but tweaked it just enough to where it, is, it still applies to today. Yeah, I think what you're trying to say is, while these characters... These characters are strong, solid characters, and they are adaptable. You don't... They're not rigid. You should stick to the source material, but you don't need to limit yourself. Exactly. All right, let's move on. Captain America came out in 2011. The next year was, I thought, the biggest year for superhero films at the time. In 2012, we had two major, major films come out that kind of capped off this whole age. We had The Avengers, which was the culmination of what Marvel had been doing this entire time. And then we had The Dark Knight Rises also come out, which culminated the Chris Nolan Batman trilogy. And I really thought that... This is it. This is as good as it's ever going to get for superhero films. I was wrong, but <laughs> I, it really felt like at the time we had reached max capacity. But, okay, so let's talk about these two films. First off, let's okay. talk about The Avengers. What a fucking amazing film, man. I mean, they could not have done that film any better. They laid out all the characters. Yeah. They brought each character in on its own, like, yeah. path. Yeah. You know, you had Cap first, and then Iron Man came in, you know, in his own fashion. Thor came in to take care of Loki. They had to convince Bruce and the Hulk yeah. to come in, you know, from his own personal exile, which yeah. makes sense. And all these other, and they, it was just so well done. And they had the nice balance of action and a little bit of humor from, yeah. you know, the Hulk punching Thor yeah. to the Captain America, I get that reference. Yeah, and uh, Hulk smashing the fuck out of Loki. Yeah, beauty gods, you had, like, all, and then the right amount of humor. Yeah. To the action, and they still had a nice balance of the heroes in costume. Yeah. And their, for, for lack of a better term, civilian selves. Yeah. See the conversations between them on that kind of level. Yeah, it was a, it was a huge film, but it was also like these characters had very personal relationships with each other. And you saw some of that, and of course they expanded on that, you know, in the later film. Yeah, absolutely phenomenal. As far as the Avengers goes, this is my personal opinion. A little figure we need to talk about, especially in the, the MCU, 
is a guy named Kevin Feige. He is the one that went into to, to Marvel and went, look, we can do this. Like if we get this started, we can build up to the Avengers. Like you, like we said, Marvel didn't have Spider-Man. Marvel didn't have X-Men. Marvel didn't have Fantastic Four. It didn't hit, have a lot of its heavy hitters. So it had to go to its, its kind of its B lineup. And Kevin Feige is the genius that said – we don't have the the top guns, but we do have some guns here, and we can, you know, build something and move up into this pinnacle of the Avengers, something that's never been done before. This shared universe has never been done before, and John Favreau bought in, Robert Downey Jr. bought in, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, Mark Ruffalo, Scarlett Johansson, Samuel L. Jackson, they all bought in, and, and of course, the guy who is mainly responsible for the Avengers, Josh Whedon. And they all bought in and they all worked together to have this culminate and it's amazing. But the thing that Kevin Feige understood and it seems like DC doesn't understand, you can't just jump into the Avengers. You have to build to the Avengers. Like if you think about it, Iron Man came out in 2008. Avengers came out in 2012. So that's four years. It took them four years and hundreds of millions of dollars to get to this film. And it's like you can't just dive into this because you have to understand why Thor is on Earth trying to take down Loki. You have to understand why Captain America is feels so completely out of place here. You have to understand why Iron Man's involved. And you have to understand why Nick Fury is doing what he does. And you can only do that is if you watch the other films prior to this. And it's just brilliant. Josh Whedon is a great director and he's a great writer. It's, oh, it's so good. So, random piece of trivia fact for those at home, because yes. I just remembered this. Samuel L. Jackson playing Nick Fury. So, there's multiple different universes in Marvel. Yes. And the most popular one is the Ultimate, where everyone's a little tweaked. Yeah. And it's a little more aggressive. I yeah, guess and it's know. a more modernized take on the universe. And the Nick Fury in the Ultimate's universe is actually based on Samuel L. Jackson as a person. And they went to him to make sure they could do that. Yeah, he signed off on it, yeah. So he's actually playing as the ultimate Nick Fury because it's him. Yeah. And that's why it fits so well because it's literally person to comic book, comic book to movie character. Like, yeah. the through and through. I mean, Samuel L. Jackson is a fucking American hero, in, in my opinion. <laughs> Like, regardless of anything, he's, he, I mean, he's been, if you think about it, he's, uh, he's, we could have a whole podcast on just Samuel L. Jackson. Okay, so let's move into the other co-champion of 2012, in my opinion, Dark Knight Rises. Not as good as the Dark Knight, in my opinion, but still really good. I love Bane. Uh, I don't know if you listened to the episode prior to this, but me and my friend Ben talked about I'm in love with Marion Cotillard as she played Talia al Ghul, spoiler alert. Which, yeah. if we could talk about it, like, Star Trek in the Darkness did the same thing Dark Knight Rises did. Where it was like, we knew who these characters were playing. Like, we knew Marion Cotillard was going to be Talia al Ghul. But the whole time they lied to us. And we're like, no, 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 that's not what's happening. And then it totally happened. And I'm like, why did you lie? It doesn't matter. We all knew it was coming. Why didn't you just tell us up from the start, like... Yeah, she's Ra's al Ghul's daughter. Yeah, that's who she's playing. I mean, it didn't really, like... I don't think it would have ruined anything, if you feel me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. First, 
I'm still like trying to figure out if I like really like the movie or not. Really? Oh yeah, because I feel like all kind of like gassed. I guess you could say. I, I don't know. Every time I watch the movie, I'm still trying to tag along with the story and yeah. Oh no, it's, it's very it's a very odd feeling. Yeah, now, no, I like it, but there's just some points where it just feels like really run up. Yeah. And I, I'll be the first to admit the film has its issues. Like, it's not... Like, there are things about it that I'm like, ah, they probably could have done that better, but I loved it. Again, we'll, we'll agree to disagree, because, I mean, I loved Bane for what it was. Yeah. And, and of course, you, you know, you and I, being the comic book nerds that we are, I would have loved, 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 loved to have seen, like, full, like, Bane from the comics. The big... Huge, like, venom-induced, which venom, for the home that don't know, is a kind of like a super steroid. Yeah. that's ba- Traditionally, and, that's where Bane gets his, his strength from. He's a, he's a Mexican, I think, is he a Mexican? Uh, he's a Latino-Hispanic wrestler that injected himself with venom to make him even stronger, and then he becomes a supervillain, basically. I, be- I believe that was the case. Yeah. If, if memory serves correctly. But... This Bane was good. Like, I love Tom Hardy as Bane. Like, that, he did a phenomenal... Like, you you felt intimidated by this character. Yeah. You felt the fear that Batman was feeling. Cause it yeah. Was, that that and, fight scene with Batman versus Bane is one of the best fight scenes of all time. It's so stripped down and just two guys duking it out. And it's so oh, yeah. great that it ends with Bane... Like he does in the comics, breaking his back. You know, and that's what I love about the film. But at the same time, it kind of doesn't make sense. You know. Yeah. The face mask thing was weird. Okay, so one of the things that really like didn't make sense to me was towards the end. You know, Batman gets like a chip off of his mask or something. Yeah. And he starts raging now, and he starts now he's able to like punch holes in concrete walls or chips off concrete walls. Yeah. And there's no backup for it. Yeah. There's, there's no real reason as to why he's this strong. Now, granted, we've always known he's been strong. Yeah. But we never had a reason for it other than he was just a big dude. And, and that was one of the things that irked me. It was like, there's no groundwork for this. No basis why he's raging out and punching holes in walls now. How did you feel about the the kind of pseudo Robin? That I was actually get, I was actually pretty excited about. That that would have been pretty cool. I would have been I would have been really intrigued to see how that would have played out. Yeah. But if you want to think about it? I feel like he because what's the guy's name? I can never remember. Jo- uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt. Thank you. I would have been intrigued to see him as Robin. I just don't know how well it would have played out. Yeah. It, in the moment, I was like, oh shit, no way. But the more I watch the film, I'm like, wait a minute, that doesn't that doesn't make any goddamn sense. But I, I understand why people don't like it. It has its flaws. The third act with the ticking time bomb and how the fuck does Batman escape that nuclear explosion? It it's not perfect, but I really think the worst thing about the film isn't even the film's fault. I really think that if Heath Ledger was still alive, if he hadn't died, and he had been in this film somehow. The oh my god! Could you imagine if Heath Ledger's Joker had returned for this film, and then they would had all of that? Oh my god, dude! It's one of those big what ifs. Uh, would Dark Knight have been 
as heavily reviewed if he hadn't died. Yeah. Because, you know, that's one thing a lot of people say, like, oh, it's only, you know, this good because it's the love actor died. Yeah. And it's kind of, that's mean, but it also might be true. I don't know. It's, Dark Knight Rises kind of felt like, it's very weird. It's very hard to describe. Yeah. Okay, let's move on. The last film in this age is... The Amazing Spider-Man. I hate this film. Not as much as I hate Spider-Man 3, but I really despise this film. Because, if you'll allow me to go in a little bit, the film is the first instance in my mind of a larger issue that plagues comic book films even today. It's the reboot issue. You know what I'm saying? We'll get into it, especially with the newer Fantastic Four and Man of Steel. It's this reboot issue. It's basically a problem... That Batman Begins created. What Chris Nolan did in Batman Begins was he he took a character and grounded him. But it's not enough to just to ground him and make him grittier. It, you also have to make a good story and you have to make like convincing characters. And what a lot of Hollywood has done is seen what Chris Nolan did and think, oh, all we got to do is make everything darker and grittier. It's like no, that's that's not just what Chris Nolan did with Batman Begins. He actually did a lot more than that. And Amazing Spider-Man is his first case of let's take a character that's kind of silly and make him really grounded and make him very, you know, emotional and very like all this shit and that'll work. It's like, no, that's that's not how that's not why Batman Begins was good. Amazing Spider-Man, my biggest issue is the costume. I hate that costume so much. It's so un-Spider-Man. It looks ridiculous. It's it's so so bad. I could go all day on this film. They, I feel like they totally misstepped with Peter Parker. Not the actor. I like Andrew Garfield. But, like I said in part one, you're not supposed to like Peter Parker. You're supposed to think he's pathetic and pitiful and, like, not attractive. And Spider-Man is the cool aspect of Peter Parker. Peter Parker himself is incredibly lame and dorky, and that's the point. And I feel like in Amazing Spider-Man, they turned this wimpy loser character into, like, a cool kid who's just misunderstood. It's like, no, that's it's not Peter Parker. I did like Gwen Stacy a lot. The villain, I really did like the... Lizard. Lizard, yes, I'm sorry. And I did like the fact George Stacy, Gwen Stacy's father, dies in the end, because that's very faithful. But it's just... I. I really I've I've only watched it once and I I never want to watch it again. I just I hate this film so much. So tell me how you really No, it's I mean. just like imagine <laughs> imagine if they took the Hulk, right? And then made him one dimensional based on the uh, character type that he was or did yeah, another and just movie based on like, what type of character he was or yeah. completely messed up one of his big villains or doing some giant mutated creatures just for shits and giggles kind of thing or messed up his original creation storyline two uh, three all right, times. All right, all right, I hear you, I hear you. But I mean, I, I feel like I don't know what you're talking about, sir. But it's <laughs> in the other Hulk movie's defense. I feel like they did it for creative reasons. In The Amazing Spider-Man, I feel like they were like, well, this looks cool. Let's fucking do it. It's like, no, that's not... No! <sighs> See, okay, this is where I like the film, okay? Just All right, go ahead. Bear with me. Bear with me. Yes, Peter Parker is not supposed to be, you know, the misunderstood cool kid that Andrew Garfield portrays. Yes. yes I will give you that. But myself, a couple other people I've talked to, because we're always, you know, comic book nerds, you know, nerd life, whatever. We always discuss how first Spider-Man, how Tobey Maguire plays an amazing Peter Parker yeah. 
while Andrew Garfield plays an amazing Spider-Man. I'll give you that. I, I'll agree with you on that one. So, I like this the costume because it's very, like, vibrant. Like, Spider-Man's always been a vibrant character for the most part. <sighs> His comics have always been very vibrant. But I mean, the yellow what, eyes! His eyes are yellow in this film! What the fuck is that? That's based off of the Ultimates, because the Ultimate Spider-Man had the yellow set eyes. Go ahead. Be an apologist for this film. <laughs> I'm not even an apologist for this film. All I'm doing is saying why I like it. You know, the humor was good. The action was solid. The lizard was really pretty badass, if we're being honest. That was, that was okay, the lizard, yes, and it was pretty akin to the comics. I mean, I, I like Reese Efrens, the Welsh actor. I hope I said his name right. He's a really talented actor. Uh, yeah, I guess, but... I just, I can't get over the stuff that is shit in my eyes to look at the good. I'm sorry. It just, it pisses me off so much. All right, let, 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 let's move on. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I take Not my Spider-Man very personally. Hey, guys. This does it for part two. Justin and I will be wrapping up this very extensive journey throughout the genre's history in part three. And we'll also talk further about where we think the genre is going. Thanks for listening, and I. All I can say is stay tuned.